Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 270 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you very much for being here with me today. Let's go ahead and get right to the hand from Stone's Gambling Hall. We are playing 1-3 with a $6 straddle from Don Key, who happens to have the Queen Four of Hearts. Don Key's been playing a little bit sporadically so far. He's been a little bit nitty, but then you see him straddling. Very often when you see people doing things that doesn't that do not necessarily make sense usually those are players you want to be playing with now i don't know anything about donkey he could be a big winner in the games but usually it doesn't make sense for people to play really tight in some spots and then abnormally loose in some spots over at pokercoaching.com premium i have an extensive discussion on how to play against players who straddle and it's important to realize that some straddlers are overly maniacal, and others are kind of straightforward. And it's very important that you tailor your strategy to take advantage of whatever your particular straddler does wrong. But it is very, very clear that the only spots, only positions you lose money from are the small blind and the big blind. Why? Because you're out of position and you're putting money in dead, blind, right? So how can you really butcher your win rate? Well, put more money in dead from out of position, blind, right? It's actually alive, it's not dead, but you get what I'm saying. You don't want to be putting money in from out of position without looking at your hand. And straddling makes it to where you pretty much cannot win unless everyone else is straddling, which in this game they definitely were not. So anyway, um, I, I understand maybe it generates action or you can come up with various reasons to explain why maybe you want to straddle, but I promise you, if you care about money, you don't. Anyway, in this hand, donkey straddles under the gun plus one. AD wakes up with king, queen of spades under the gun plus two. And I would definitely suggest raising, which he does. He makes it $25. I think that is great. Um, whenever there is a straddler, you're going to want to make it a little bit bigger than normal, right? Um, obviously, you don't want to make it $12 because then the straddler is going to call every time. You want to make it something like $25 or $30. I think $25 is pretty nice, and that is exactly what AD does. Folds around to Ben in the cutoff with pocket fives. He can very easily call and set mine. And then it's going to... Fold back around to Donkey, who has Queen Four of Hearts. And look, Queen Four of Hearts is not a great hand, and it should pretty much always be folded here. What a lot of straddlers trick themselves into doing, though, is that they think, well, I straddled, so now I have to call and see the flop with anything reasonable. And, you know, Queen Four Sudo looks kind of reasonable, but it actually is not. It is not a particularly good hand. It's going to be very dominated by the preflop raiser and the preflop caller and you're out of position. So even though you put that $6 in, you still need to fold. And clearly that's the opposite of what almost all straddling players do because they are straddling because they want to gamble, which is, again, kind of counterintuitive because we saw Donkey two episodes ago in episode 268 raise ace-queen and then fold it to a small re-raise preflop. So I'm not sure if he wants to gamble or if he wants to be a net, but he's playing the queen four suited this time. So... We see the flop three ways. Pot has $85 in it. Flop comes 10, 6, 4, 2 clubs. And now pretty much everyone has nothing. Donkey has bottom pair. Ben has a middle pair. This is a situation where Donkey should check all of his range. AD with king, queen of spades on 10, 6, 4 should reluctantly check and just give up. Whenever you do raise preflop, get multiple callers, just flop poorly, especially in games where your opponents are a little bit loose and a little bit splashy preflop. You should just give up. Now around to Ben with pocket fives. This is an interesting spot because fives is going to be the best hand here a lot unless uh, the, the straddle has a hand that beats you. 
the fives here does have a club for a backdoor club draw. Not that that matters all that much. I think Ben should probably make a small bet here. And the reason is because there are various overcards that could just make your hand worse that are likely to come. And if you do bet medium here, like say $35, you could conceivably still get called by some worse hands. So you bet the flop, check check the turn, and then call a river bet some portion of the time, depending on how it goes. And I think that's going to let you pick up this pot on the flop immediately. Yes, you have the best hand when you pick it up, but you protect your equity. And um, that's nice. Like right here, we see Ben has 64% equity. It's a lot. And checking will result in you not realizing that a decent chunk of the time. And sometimes you get value from worse hands when you bet. Like right here, if you bet against queen four, queen four is maybe going to call. It's going to go check, check on the turn, check, check on the river, and fives just gets money in the pot against the hand that's drawing thin. Um, also notice this is one of the best scenarios for Ben. So usually he's going to have a little bit less equity because he's going to be against two different sets of overcards. And in that scenario, if you bet and they fold, that's, that's great. So I definitely like a bet of about $35 from Ben. He does let it check through, though. Turns the nine of clubs. Now I would just check if I was everyone. Uh, queen four does not need to bet here because if queen four gets called by anyone, you're going to be in bad shape. King, queen of spades does not need to bet here because it just has nothing besides a gut shot and bad overcards. No backdoor flush draw. And now pocket fives does not need to bet because if you bet and get called now, you're pretty unhappy. So I like everyone checking the turn, which is what happens. River is the four of spades. So remember I said Ben's going to get outdrawn 35% of the time or so. Here it is. Donkey makes trip fours. Pots 85 bucks. He definitely should be betting here. The question is how much? What are we trying to get called by? Well, we're trying to get called by something pretty marginal, right? Because presumably someone would bet the flop if they had a 10. Someone would maybe bet the turn if they have a 9. So you're trying to get called by, like what, ace high, a 6, maybe a slightly slow played pocket 8s, something like that. Pocket 5s. <laughs> and so for that reason, I don't think Donkey needs to bet too big. So pot's $85. I think a bet of about $25 here would be pretty nice. But he goes for a $10 bet, even smaller. And... The problem, I think, with these really tiny bets is like, yeah, you're going to get called a pretty good amount of the time by bluff catchers, like junky bluff catchers, but I think you just leave money on the table. You have to realize, when you bet $10 compared to $25, your bet needs to get called two and a half times more often. So let's say you think a $20, a $25 bet gets called, let's say, half of the time. Well, you need a $10 bet to get called what, 125% of the time, which clearly can't happen because the most you can get called is 100% of the time, right? And that's just because of the sizing. And you're going to find that in general, really tiny river bets are not ideal when you are like very clearly value betting. Um, sometimes the small river value bets make sense when you're betting here with a hand like 6-5. Like let's say you decided to bet 6-5 on the river. Then a really tiny bet makes sense. Um... But with three of a kind, you want to be betting big, especially on the off chance that your opponents do have a hand like a 10. Now, in this scenario, I really do think a $25 bet's probably ideal, maybe 30. I don't think you need to go for an $80 bet here because then you are going to have a tough time getting called. But like, let's say there was a chance that someone was just playing solely with a 10, then an $80 bet's almost certainly going to be better than a $25 bet. But given the way this has gone down, I do think everyone's pretty weak, so I would bet something like 25. And I do expect to get called a pretty good amount of the time when we bet 25. So he does bet 10. King, queen of spades is going to fold because it just has nothing. And now on to Ben with his pocket fives who pretty much snap calls. And I would say that like this call from a game theory optimal point of view is probably just fine. But 
well, it's fine because you're putting in $10 to win 95, right? So you, you pretty much never need to be right. The thing is though, is that I would bet against a lot of recreational players or even some good players. Whenever they bet tiny here, they are just always value betting. So if they are always value betting, how does pocket fives do against the value bets? Well, on 10, six, four, nine, four, you beat what, pocket threes and twos? Is your opponent really value betting threes and twos? Probably not, right? So if they're not value betting threes and twos, that means you really only beat bluffs. But if your opponent literally never bluffs here, as I would think a lot of recreational players and even some good players, like I said, almost never bluff for a small sizing, pocket fives actually needs to fold. Because yeah, you only need to be good one in 10 times, but you're actually good here like one in a hundred times whenever your opponent misread their hand. And that's not all that often. So I would highly recommend you pay attention in your games. Maybe you carry a notebook around with you or keep a note file in your phone where you keep track of things like this, where you call a small bet thinking, yeah, I'm probably lose. And you may find that you win in this scenario literally one out of a hundred times. And clearly, if you win in this scenario one out of 100 times with your very bad bluff catcher when your opponent's making this really tiny bet, you need to start folding in these scenarios. Um, if your opponents are bluffing in this spot sometimes, well, then clearly, maybe you should not be folding, right? But that's why it's important for you to keep track of your results and keep track of specific scenarios that you think you be able, may be able to make very exploitative plays. And this is one of those spots, I think, in most games where the exploitative play of folding very easily could be better than calling. Now, if the bet was 25, I actually think calling becomes a little bit better. Why? Because then your opponent's betting a little bit bigger to the point where maybe they actually are starting to sneak some bluffs into their range. But when they bet 10, they're basically saying, yeah, I win, pay me a little bit, please. They're betting small because they're afraid of you or anybody else putting chips in the pot, and that means they just have something good, and fives loses everything good here. Therefore, you should fold. But um, like I said, Ben does call, throws them in, splashes them in, as you feel when you're putting them in there, because you know those chips are just gone. <laughs> um, and I think they probably are just gone. So that's going to be it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. If you did, tell your friends, leave a review, like, subscribe, do whatever all the buttons are, wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast. I want to thank you again very much for being here, because if you were not here, well, I wouldn't be here. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. Good luck in your games. Have fun. And I will talk to you next week.